Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. It's a beautiful day. Hi guys, I hope you're well. We're really quickly going to run through the itinerary so you're all familiar with exactly what we're going to be discussing on this week's episode of the podcast. So we started by reviewing our most recent episode with our special guest in Michael Bill, who's a first team coach at Rangers. We then discussed the FA and the PFA being urged to help raise funds to carry out research for the link between football and dementia. We then reviewed the weekend's fixtures and the boys then gave their shouts for prospect of the week. And we wrapped up the episode with a review on the past year, given the fact that we are hitting our one year anniversary next week. Stay tuned. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to yet again another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast. As always, I'm your host, Budge. And I'm joined by my faithful two co-conspirators, Dot and Dej. Gents, how are we doing? I'm good, Budge, man. How are you, man? I'm happy to be back in the booth, you know? 100%, man. I, I share that sentiment. I'm happy to be back in the studio. It's, uh, it's good to be back. Uh, looking forward to the week ahead. And before that, I'm looking forward to recording this episode, man. Yeah, man. I've been looking forward to this one. Yeah, yeah absolutely, man. Of course, uh, the, the Premier League was back, you know, uh, last week had a, a you know, a, a bit of a break, but we're back. So, mm. yeah, looking forward to dissecting uh, this week's uh, mm. um, Premier League fixtures with you guys. How about you, Dej? How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Happy to be here. Full of energy. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's been a great week. So, you know, it's always good to top it off recording with you guys. And I'm looking forward to this set, man. Yeah, man. It's 100%. Been, it's been an amazing week for the platform as well, man. So Yes. Before we move on, we need, we, need to, we need to. Absolutely. Yeah, we need to address a, it, man. A, a, yeah. a great week. Um, first and foremost, we want to uh, give a special shout out to all of our new listeners and our yeah. new followers. And we want to also thank everybody who retweeted, shared um, um, the last episode. We really, really appreciate, you know, all of the engagement. We, we, we always say it every week, you know, uh, you know, um, all of your engagement does go a long, long, long way. And it certainly did for that Michael Bill episode, didn't it? Poor it was, man. it was, it, was, it, <laughs> it exploded. Was yeah. You have to be real. I yeah. mean, again, we're just three guys that love football. Mm. And, you know, from time to time, we get these special guests on and, 
you know, Michael was such a, you know, a special interviewee. Mm. I mean, he's someone that I've admired from afar for the past, you know, five to seven years. Yeah. And, you know, when you hold someone in such high esteem, like when you interview them, like you expect to be blown away. And yeah. boy, did Michael do that to yeah, us. 100%. You know, he's someone that, you know, he gets it. Mm. He's from South London. We're from South London. Mm-hmm. So we had that real connection. And I think the people that tuned in, you know, they enjoyed it. And yeah. this is what this platform's about. And like <laughs> our new listeners might be expecting, you know, a big name every single week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we want to like kind of temper those expectations mm-hmm. because, you know, getting those exclusives, it takes, you know, weeks and months. Of and that episode and was like planning, a long yeah, time of course. in coming. And we're just happy that we could bring it and that it impacted so many people around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to say, you know, thank you to everyone that supported that episode. Um, honestly, I was so overwhelmed. I yeah. was like on the verge of tears like yeah, that's how overwhelmed was I was like yeah. the feedback was amazing when I woke up that morning um after the episode was released I looked at my whatsapp and the messages that I was getting from people that are very very respected in mm. the game friends family mm. saying listen this is the best thing I've ever heard and as Dej said I just want to you know strengthen his point mm. that this is a platform where we analyse matches on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. We're not always going to have guests mm-hmm. like Michael Bill every week. But one thing we can guarantee you is that we're going to work our hardest to try and get these good mm-hmm. exclusives and these great interviews to offer education and insight to our listeners. Mm-hmm. And like from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate every single comment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know sometimes it's difficult to reply to all of yeah. them, but we appreciate every single uh, comment. Absolutely. And we're just touched. Yeah. yeah, that week, oh, throughout the week, you know, we were messaging each other saying, wow, you yeah, see yeah, what this yeah, Honestly, said. I couldn't believe yeah, it. Yeah, it, mm. it, it was overwhelming. And I mean, that's our joy in doing yeah, this platform. Absolutely. You know, we love football. And when we're able to, you know, bring people to give, you know, top insight, mm-hmm. that's the name of the game for us. That's where we get our joy. Mm. So seeing the, you know, feedback we had, you know, there was a lot of funny comments, nice comments. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, funny yeah. one for me was like, ah, oh, yeah, like they sound like geezers. But once you get past the geezer accent, yeah, the content's actually okay, you know. So it was funny because I know we've got a lot of Scottish um, listeners. So right. yeah, it, it's yeah. good. There's, that one made my day, actually. <laughs> yeah. That comment was hilarious. Yeah. But I don't think we showed it to yeah. But um, another thing I wanted to say is that, like, um, I've completely lost my trailer of thought. <laughs> yeah, but no, it, it, it was great. And of course, um, for for us uh, on our um, mm. on our journey, you know, we've 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 been privileged to have some great guests so far, and mm. we'll obviously will continue to um, have and, and keep that as hundred and ten percent, something that we try, try to do going forward. Um, and I, I think up, up until this point in time, oh, it's going to come back to you in a little while. <laughs> trust me, it'll come back mm. to you. Um, but. I think that the key thing for us is just the fact that we obviously try to get angles from different aspects of the of the game. So, you know, the, the fact that we have had the opportunity to sp- uh, speak to journalists and speak to coaches um, footballers. Uh, and footballers and, and just, di- so, just editors. to get uh, editors, mm-hmm. to get a, a, a wide and, and diverse um, uh, uh, landscape and perspective of, of, of the game, which is which is really, really important, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so yeah, so watch this space for all of you that are listening for the for the, maybe the second time uh, after the Michael <laughs> Bill episode. Um, stay tuned because we've got big things coming in 2020. Um, so moving on now, 
before we dissect the weekend's fixtures, what we usually like to do is just to speak about uh, a more general uh, football topic um, that's uh, going around in the news and, and something that we uh, would like to share our views and opinions and thoughts on before we, we talk about the games. Now, uh, recently, the FA and the PFA have been urged to help fund um, some research on the link between football and dementia. So there was recently a study in Scotland which found that um, ex-footballers were five times more likely to suffer from um, Alzheimer's uh, and than the average person and three and a half times more likely to die from dementia. And essentially there are uh, concerns around the impact of continually heading the ball over the average career of a footballer. Mm. Um, and apparently uh, the, sort of the, the figure that's been earmarked is about uh, one million mm. uh, pounds for the project. And, um, you know, some re- the, the, the researchers have already uh, spoken to the FA and PFA um, about needing their help. Um, so I guess I just wanted to put this out to you guys and, and get your thoughts and, and, and your views on it um, in terms of the level of investment and, and, and how important it is for us to um, have this kind of research. Of course, there are loads of different issues that surround footballers in the game. You know, we've um, heard and, and, and seen um, loads of incidents regarding um uh, gambling in, in football and whatnot and I think that's also something that there needs to be a, a continued uh, efforts and, and, and investment towards 100% um, but, but in, in, in terms of this uh, sort of particular issue do you, do you feel that that is uh, something that, 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 that we need to be investing in is it, is it a good idea and um, in terms of uh, clubs in, 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 the, in, in the football leagues you know um, surely if they are clear on where, you know where the money's going surely they'd also be willing to invest and contribute towards this kind of research right yeah first of all the health of like professional footballers is the most important thing Mm. um we want our players you know healthy and Mm. um living a long life um we don't want that to be compromised due Mm -hmm. to football Mm -hmm. so if um the fa can help surely they should help i know there's a lot of money in the english premier league Mm -hmm. um and as you said about the clubs probably um um, putting some of their money mm. into a pot to try and yeah. um, raise the funds to potentially get this um, study and research started, mm. then that would be for the better. Yeah. Um, what I would say is that how long was how long was that um, research um, conducted for in terms of the study? Do you know? I don't actually know. No, 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 mm. no. Um, but because when I, you see yeah. these kind of studies, we need to take into consideration. Okay, how long was this study for? Yeah, was this study done under a meta analysis where they bring um, like a hundred different researches yeah, into one point yeah, and they yeah, make yeah. it uh, mm-hmm. combined one research piece. So mm-hmm. this can be, you know, a scope of 10 or 20 people. First of all, they need to back their evidence saying yeah, that this yeah, is yeah, how much yeah. people we've done. We've done this thousand and we found this conclusive evidence. Mm-hmm. Then surely I think the Premier League clubs will be more than happy to contribute. Uh, yeah. Whether they're allowed to contribute, I'm not entirely sure, you know. Mm, okay. That's another interesting point. Yeah, like I've been actually reading about the topic and I remember I think a few years ago, um, Alan Shearer done a documentary mm-hmm. and he met up with a family that were or have been affected by, you know, Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. I think Jeff Astor, he was a footballer mm-hmm. and he died of the regenerative disease mm-hmm. age 59. And obviously, Alan Shearer was someone that, you know, loved to head the ball. So he scored like 46 goals of his um, 260 um, Premier League goals. So it's um, interesting to see what effect heading of the ball has on these footballers. But um, 
I believe, as Dot said, the um, safety of footballers is paramount. Mm -hmm. And I know in the United States, um, if you're under 10, they don't actually allow you to head the ball. So whether wow. that will probably seep into the English game, mm. I'm not so sure. Mm -hmm. So for them to have done that in America, they're very proactive when mm. it comes to, you know, medical um, things. So yeah. as I said, you know, we want to see the footballers be invested in mm. after their of careers. Course, that's because, the key thing. You know, we see them for their 10 to 15 years while they're athletes. But mm -hmm. after that, they've still got a life. Right. And they've got such a long life. Yeah. And, and, after yeah. that, you know, and so you've seen years. this problem with boxers. Mm -hmm. you get what I'm trying to say yeah. they take so many heavy blows to the head mm. and then they end up with dementia yeah, later yeah, on yeah. in their life so surely Bl slurred mm. speech as well yeah, yeah, and that yeah. kind of thing yeah so. so their safety needs to be looked after mm. and us as fans as well you know we love them as athletes and we mm. want to see them as healthy for as long as possible and just finally mm. the more research we can do like this the more evidence that comes out is only going to be for the better for of the course. next generation which is always good definitely 100% alright um, so now moving on to the weekend's fixtures, we're going to start off with um, a team that's certainly been breaking uh, quite a few <laughs> records of late. Um, and there was another record that they broke this weekend, being the team that uh, in, in Europe's top five leagues who have had the best start to uh, a season um, after 21 games. Um, and this team, after 21 games, has 61 points out of a possible out of 63, 63 yeah. uh, which is no mean feat. Um, and I guess it was also the biggest game of the weekend. Yeah. Um, so that was uh, the game between Spurs and Liverpool, uh, of course, um, hosted at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, I'm not going to say anything more. I'm going to let you guys <laughs> share your thoughts on that game. Uh, Dej, take us away. Yeah, I mean, you know, this was the biggest game of the weekend. As you said, you know, we've eulogised about Liverpool's exploits this season. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think they've amassed 104 points over 38 games. As you said, breaking records, you mm -hmm. know, in the top five leagues. I mean, where do we start with this Liverpool team? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Mourinho was the man, you know, in charge of this Tottenham team. And Liverpool going there for the first time, you're thinking, what's going to happen? And I remember Jose Mourinho in the Sky studio when he was working, you know, for Sky, um, when Liverpool dropped the only points of the season. He was scathing of Jurgen Klopp. He was saying that, you know, Jurgen Klopp ordered meat and he ended up getting fish. <laughs> and he was saying that the way to contain this Liverpool team mm -hmm. was to operate in a low block. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, OK, let's see what you can do. And, you know, obviously he was put in the hot seat and he attempted to, you know, befuddle Jurgen Klopp by sitting in this low block. Mm -hmm. And to a certain extent, you could see his plan and you could understand it. You know, Tottenham are in a plight right now of injuries. And, you know, it was working. Like, they were trying to slow ball Liverpool and trying to counter-attack. Liverpool had early chances. You know, the young guy, yeah, the young lad making his debut, Tanganga, you know, made a clearance off the line. And to be fair, he was a bright spark in this um, mm -hmm. Tottenham side. But I just think the effect that this Liverpool team has on opposition, I mean, I think when opposition step on the pitch, it's as if they're already defeated. Mm. It's like a damage limitations job. Mm -hmm. and I think that's what we saw from this Spurs side. I think Mourinho, if you offered him maybe before the game, would you take like a 1-0 where you showed a bit of fight? He would have taken it. And to be fair in the game, Liverpool in the last 20 minutes, they bordered on maybe good game management and a bit of complacency. Mm -hmm. 
And now that, you know, Liverpool got the three points, we can say, yeah, they managed the game well, you know, six clean sheets in a row. But I was saying to Dot that I'm not liking the attitude, the mentality a bit. And yeah, I think when Henderson came off the pitch, he said to Jurgen Klopp, that was shit. And that shows the standard that, you know, Liverpool have set for themselves. And, you know, going forward, it's another box ticks, ticked. You know, this feels like a long coronation of, you know, Liverpool marching towards the Premier League title. And let's be honest, if you offer the other, you know, Premier League managers, you know, the chance to start the season again, they will take it because right now <laughs> it's dead and buried. It's funny because um, we actually missed the first half. We was over in South End. Watching a... <laughs> what? I forgot about that. You want to go into that? <laughs> Just very quickly. We were actually watching a League One game, um, South End versus Tramier. Obviously, um, Dej's boy, um, Jake Caprice, um, plays for Tramier. Um, and, I mean, that match, <laughs> Borch, that match was a no deal. <laughs> it was probably the worst match I've ever watched in my life. Was it, was it as, as Dej would like to say, very agricultural? <laughs> yeah, oh, it was basically yeah. kicking head. Yeah, head tennis. Really? I mean, yeah, the, was, there was yeah. no technical play and... To be fair, like if we're going to talk about that game for like a minute or so, I it mean, was pathetic. Like, both let's be teams honest, are like second bottom and third bottom. Mm. And you could clearly see like it was a must not lose game, and there was just no quality. It was void mm. of ideas. Like, but again, it was good to get another game in because mm. we've said as a platform we want to be covering you know a lot more games this yeah, season. Of course, but yeah. I know we went on a bit of a tangent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to. Left some scar tissue on me. So. <laughs> right, but yeah, just to go back to Liverpool. I mean, 12 wins in a row. Um, Alisson, 13 hours without conceding a goal. Mm. I mean, as you said, the best start in, in the history of the game in terms of the top five domestic leagues. Um, this Liverpool team, they look unbeatable to me. Um, it's funny because it went to um, 0-1 to Liverpool and Dej was like, that's it, though. The game's done. I'm like, Dej, what do you mean the game's done? Yeah, don't, you were like, like, yeah, panicking. I was, I was bit, panicking, saying, yeah. like, listen, this is Tottenham. They're going to have a big chance. And they had that big mm-hmm. chance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They also missed it, fortunately yeah. for us. but Even Heung-Min Son. I mean, I've had a bit of an argument. I've asked a lot of guests to, like, gauge mm-hmm. a feeling. Is Son tier one or is he that upper tier two? And I think yesterday, you know, kind of proved it that mm-hmm. this is why it's upper tier too. I mean, five league goals this season. Mm-hmm. You can't be having those numbers and, you know, you know, being called tier one. Mm. I mean, yeah. Yeah, like, but like, just to go back to the game, I think when when I look at this Liverpool team, I'm thinking they're playing another sport. <laughs> like, I've never seen this style <laughs> of play in my life. I mean, the switches of play... The balls um, over the top, the intricate passing, the way Ronaldo is extricating himself out of mm. tight areas. Yeah. I'm just thinking, what is this? Is this football or is this elite ball? Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, it seems yeah. like Liverpool are playing a different sport to everyone else. And as Dead said, Tottenham seemed defeated before the game started. Mm-hmm. When I listened to Jose Mourinho's pre-match press conference, he was like, they're in the best moment. They're the best team in the Premier League. Mm. We're in a nasty situation he was almost like defeated. Yeah. And even in that conference, he was like, only yeah. two of us in here believe that we can win. Um, me and, and he put his arm around. The press uh, guy, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, yeah, only the two of us believe that we can win. And, and, and that's that the damaging effect that yeah. this Liverpool side um, have had. It's like a ripple effect. Mm. I think we saw it with the Manchester City team that amassed, you know, 100 points. Mm. Teams would just go and say, you know what? You can beat us too and then mm. we'll take that. Yeah. We just don't want to get it. Damage, yeah, chucking it in before you enter the pitch. Mm. But, 
my final point on Liverpool is, are they going to go unbeaten? I think they've got a 60% chance right now as it stands. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a few more big hurdles that they need to pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't you think it might get to a stage where the league is so sewn up in and around the Champions League games, they might say, you know what, let's rest some players. Or do you think... I think this Liverpool team are so good mm. that they can rest players and still win. We've seen it with the Merseyside mm. derby when they colonised Everton 5-2. Um, <laughs> you get what I'm trying to yeah, say? You yeah. saw it during the festive period mm. where Liverpool were resting players, they were rotating and they were winning. Mm. Let's add into the consideration that Fabinho's coming back to fitness, Matip is mm-hmm. back to fitness, Shakiri's back, Lovren's coming back. So... Now, when Liverpool rest players, they're still bringing in top-class players. Mm. So, I don't see this team losing. And the only hurdles that are going to be potentially stumbling blocks are Wolves away, maybe. Mm. Man City away. Mm-hmm. And I think that Emirates away is going to be a tough game because I think the league will be done by then. Mm. And yeah, so is that I, mid-March? I, or? I think that's in even in May. So, the league would have been done okay, long yeah, before I then. Think mid-March, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. One uh, uh, thing that I noticed, and I wanted to ask you guys mm. for your view on it, was... Um, I noticed in the game, sometimes Trent and um, Robertson switch. The, the reason why that, that happens is um, when Liverpool defend corners, they're on the other okay, side. Fine. So sometimes they wait until the ball goes out of play before, before they, they switch okay, back. Fine, fine. So that's basically what it is. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about Tottenham because I am really concerned. Last week, I actually was changed. I asked the table and no one answered me. Yeah, so but Dot, like, to be honest, I was thinking... I'm not sure if this game, the game is the, yeah, yeah, to, this is to go in on Mourinho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay, think you can make a concession with mm. this game. This game yeah. was about damage limitations. But can I, I talk about it Mourinho. on a holistic point of view? And also, before you do that, mm. Dot, the the goal itself was just a moment of magic. Yeah, but this is it the just thing. came out of nowhere. I remember when Liverpool appointed their um, throw-on coach, Thomas um, Gronemark, people were like, what are Liverpool doing? Why are they bringing this guy in? But it's those 1% that make mm. the difference and that ended up living, winning Liverpool the game. And being devil's advocate though, it shouldn't actually have been a throw. We've seen through, you know, VAR mm. that it did come off Marne. So these are the little the, things that uh, are benefiting Liverpool. Yeah. If we're going to keep yeah, it... Yeah, but we have... Yeah. So the, these these that, arguments that, that people have about the uh, VAR always being in favour of Liverpool. Liverpool. You can't dismiss it. No, you can't no, dismiss it. No, we have to like, discuss the game on a holistic it. point but of view. I, I hear that, but you're better than that, Budge. You don't believe that, but for the agenda, oh, you're gonna say that like, you don't believe that, of course. But, um, addressing Tottenham, as I said, I think there's going to be other days for hammering them because this mm. was yeah, a game they, where wanna... Mourinho, you know, it was a beleaguered side, mm. they're void of injuries or they had a lot of injuries, mm. should I say, and they're missing their you know main marksman, of Harry course. Kane. I mean, you know, they're talking about Troy Parrott coming in. I mean, he's a young 17-year-old. Mm. I think he's going to have a bright future. But to bring him in now, I don't think Under it's such option. circumstances as well. And, and they're great. talking about, you know, Christoph Piatek coming in from AC Milan. You know, he's a talented 24-year-old Polish striker. 13 and 19 goals at Genoa. You know, 9 and 18 in his first season at AC Milan. Mm-hmm. So I think that might be happening before the transfer window closes. Just find a couple of points before we move on. Spurs, that's the first time they've lost back-to-back games this season. So that's a concern. And another thing is... is But they're playing Liverpool. Yeah, but then Mourinho's conceded 20 goals in his first 13 games as Tottenham manager. It took him 44 games mm. for that to happen in his first tenure at Chelsea. So surely this is a worry. And people used to, you know, 
um, give Mourinho all the plaudits for his big game approach, he used to get results. He's played Man United, lost. He's played Chelsea, lost. He's played Liverpool, lost. This is this is a concern. Yeah, yeah we know Mourinho um, seems to be, you know, a force of the past. Mm. I certainly feel that. Yeah, he's not relevant in this current generation. That style of play, that pragmatic, you know, sort of play. I think it's wore off now. I think this mm. generation of football with the fast transitions and you know the players that we have now, the more pace, power, skill. Mm. I think it undoes any of those defensive tendencies that you know served Mourinho well in the past. Mm. We're, we're just about to move on to the next game, but just a point that I wanted to raise, and this was just uh, touching slightly on the transfer news of uh, Piotek uh, mm-hmm. to, to, to Spurs. So I, I feel like, particularly in this transfer window, it's been quite a, a, a strange one in terms of some of the moves that have been made, particularly from the Italian clubs. So uh, Piotek, you, 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 you um, mentioned his goal-scoring um, prowess, uh, prowess so far this season. Obviously, Surely with, with, with that... They've um, agreed a deal for Getson F- Fernandez. I believe so, yeah. 18-month yeah, yeah, yeah. loan. Okay. loan. They gazumped West Ham. Mm. Fine, okay. But so so, so so, someone with that, the prowess of Piatek, it doesn't really, it doesn't really make much sense that they'd, AC Milan would allow him to leave. I know they recently have Ibra. brought back Ibra. I'm not, that deal in itself is one that I'm to not, be honest, Ibra I'm not quite. Yeah. He, yeah, he did. I know he did. I think they won 2-0 against Genoa, right? Yeah. But I, I just... I, I, I don't know. It was a bit of a strange one. He's obviously in in the. T- I mean, if I don't know if you can go past Twilight, but he's really on his like, you know, kind of be an Indian final. summer. Perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> um, so 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 so, so there's, there, there's 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 AC Milan with that. Then obviously the the news that uh, Inter Milan were interested in Ashley Young. Mm. It's just Conte it really is, left field it is really a silly season at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it gives us more to talk about in terms of transfers and whatnot. So we'll have to watch that uh, watch that space uh, towards the end of the month. Um, okay, moving on now. Um, another game that we wanted to speak about, which was was one where I, I, I don't think that the, well the team did it uh, didn't necessarily um, uh, uh, make any um, sort of landmark um, moments or uh, set any records, but there was an individual that did, um, and that was the. Um, the game between Aston Villa and, and Man City. Dej, I want to ask, um, what? How many goals does a team need to score for it to, for the game to be considered a colonization? <laughs> I think once you start getting over five, over five, no, right? I, I think this is an obliteration. Fine, uh, okay. Yes, it wasn't a colonization. Fine, obliteration. And colonization <laughs> is when it's a, yeah, yeah. A seven, yeah. And I was thinking it was going to get into that territory. There was yeah. a certain time in the first half I thought it was going to yeah. spill over. But credit to Aston Villa, ain't it? Like, yeah. Well, credit to Aston Villa for oh. conceding six goals. Well, yeah, for not letting it get into double digits. Double, yeah. yeah, I mean, so of course uh, uh, Villa hosted um, City at Villa Park. This is a Villa side that is uh, plagued with injuries at the moment to very, very key players. Um, so much so that they had to sort of make and uh, uh, field a very um, uh, a blunt um, uh, attack force today. First of all, Dean um, Smith, Danny Drinkwater, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. What are you thinking to start, <laughs> Danny? This is a guy that hasn't played football in several months, mm. had a night out, damaged his <laughs> ankle. 
and he yeah. hasn't played since. And, and he you bring him in, you could see it against yeah. one of the fittest, most relentless teams mm. in the world. Mm. I mean, when I saw that on the team sheet, you know, alarm bells were ringing. Mm. I mean, this is Aston Villa side that we've seen throughout the season defensively. You know, they self implode. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first two goals, you can say they were Danny Drinkwater's yeah. fault. And again, you're Dwelling not in tune. Ball, not even tune enough. Goalkeeping yeah. was poor as well for the first goal and the third goal. The Aguero first goal, it went right through his hands. <laughs> like he had yeah. soap in his hands. I don't yeah. know. I don't understand. Graham Sula said he had chocolate wrists. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're bringing in Pepe Reina. I think he, he yeah. was in the stands, wasn't he? He was, okay. he was watching the game. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think that was probably strategic. I think mm, they probably knew they were going to take a bit of a shelling. So mm. they probably thought, you know what, watch this one. We'll, yeah. we'll get you involved. One thing I would say is that Man City played very well. Mm. Um, Kevin De Bruyne are running the midfield. Best midfield in the world. Um, Riyad Mahrez is having a really good season. He's got mm. eight Premier League goals. Um, Aguero, another hat-trick. Record breaker, 12 hat-tricks. Yes. Um, so yeah, Man City seemed to be hitting... And ticking along nicely. Mm. Um, I think they defended well. I think Pep Guardiola will be very, very angry with that last minute penalty because I'm sure mm. he wanted a clean sheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, John Stones, that's his um, first start in a month. He played well, he in played my well. opinion. Yeah. He brought the ball out of the back well. Benjamin Mendy, 90 minutes under his belt. <laughs> Congratulations, Benjamin <laughs> Mendy. <laughs> but um, Aston Villa, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. And the question I want to ask you guys is that when does it get to a point where you say this is not working we may need to take a look at the manager's position um i think dean smith is an interesting scenario i mean obviously he's aston villa you know born and bred mm. obviously in this situation it doesn't really bear fruit because football's mm. a results based business but it leads to the wider question um cuz i'm always of the opinion that if you get a club promoted mm-hmm. the manager deserves a season mm. that's just my personal view but yeah. again, football's a game without morals. Maybe I'm a idealist. Yeah, but why, I don't know. Why, why, why is that though, Dej? Because with Aston Villa, they can say, listen, we've got a Premier League budget, so we don't want to go back down. And if we feel we are going to go down, we need to, you know, implement change and get a new manager to keep us up. Because surely the message that he's sending out to his players, are not it's not working at the moment. To be honest, I think maybe the problem might be with the coaching setup. I mean, you've got a manager in his first season at the Premier League. You've got John Terry. This is his first coaching role. I think they should have maybe appointed someone senior in the team because when you watch this Aston Villa side, it's a lot of naivety. I remember the Watford game. They were like just old manned. I mean, Troy Deeney, you know, winning penalties. They were diving around and they're just not having, they're not street smart. That's my view with this Aston Villa side. And can you say some of his coaching? Maybe. Yeah, but Dave, you said that they should have got experience, um, you know, number two. Mm. But as Michael Beal was saying that, you can see why these managers are going for ex-pros as their assistant because they offer you that insight to be an elite pro. You get what I'm trying mm. to say? Of like course. what it takes to, to maximise your ability as mm. an elite pro. And they're giving you that insight that you may not have with a traditional number two. Of course, I agree with that. But again... John Terry, I mean, can you see his imprint on this Aston Villa side? When you think yeah, about John Terry, mm-hmm. you think defending masterclass. Mm-hmm. To be fair, in the midweek, when they played against Leicester, we saw that. We saw a bit of resilience. But again, it's like they were putting up, you know, a mask. But today that mask slipped. But let's be honest, they're playing against, you know, arguably the best team. You yeah, they're, they're and playing. we also need to consider the fact that they, they are they've got loads of injuries to yeah, key players. Wesley, you know, Tom Heaton's yeah, out. Yeah, but that doesn't yeah. mean you concede six goals. You get what I'm trying to say? Like, you're at Villa Park. 
you know, 4.30 kickoff, your fans have travelled, like, they're expecting a performance and that's so fans leaving after 25 minutes yeah. like that's not good that's an ordeal you're uh, putting your fans through an ordeal of and that's course. not good enough of course but these teams these promoted teams they always say that we're going to take one or two shellings you know in a season and this was their shelling but the issue is Aston Villa seem to be conceding at will and it's mm. not even difficult to penetrate you know their mm. rear guard mm-hmm. but again as you said Budge you know there's a lot of injuries and mm. when you're a team like Aston Villa I think John McGinn is the it's massive huge. one in that midfield he's like mm. a Kevin De Bruyne mm. to them Tom Heaton experienced yeah. pro massive you know Wesley this is the, the guy they're pinning yeah, yeah, yeah. you know pinning their hopes on mm. and they haven't got a striker so we've got to bear these things in mind to be fair the final the- point on this one that the reason why change may need to happen is because when I look at Aston Villa I'm looking at their current form and from what I'm seeing is that I feel that they're on a downward trajectory. If Mm. they were playing well and not getting results, then maybe you can see a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can say, you know what, they may go on a run towards the back end of the season and potentially, you know, stay up. But for what I'm seeing is that they're getting worse weekly. No, but to be fair, they won, I think, maybe a couple of games ago against... Uh, Burnley away when they got that decent three mm. points midweek against Leicester they put up a good account of themselves mm-hmm. so I'm not looking at a side that you know you need instant change there's still some mm-hmm. good signs but again injuries have curtailed them yeah no valid point um, and just to finalise on that um, Dot I know you mentioned that um, Aguero set a record with the yeah. um, 12th um, uh, Premier League hat-trick in his career mm-hmm. um, just uh past Alan Shearer now but the other record that he um, also set was that he's now the highest uh, scoring foreign player to play in the Premier League um, I believe with 177 goals mm-hmm. um, so uh, j- just behind him is uh, Henri yep. with uh, 175 mm-hmm. um, and in terms of the all-time top goal scorers in the Premier League I think only uh, Alan Shearer um, Andy Cole and uh, Wayne Rooney are ahead of him so mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Sergio yeah. Aguero has come on one of the greatest players to ever play in the Premier League. Mm. I think because he scores goals so regularly, he's kind of underappreciated. Yeah. People are like, I want to see more. I want to see him beat four players and score mm. the Maradona kind of goal. But this is a player that once he leaves the Premier League, that's when he will really, really yeah. be appreciated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last point on this game is that Kevin De Bruyne has 14 assists now. He's six assists behind Thierry Henry's record of 20. And we've still got, what, 16 more games to go. So let's see if he beats that. It's going to be difficult, though. It's it's never straightforward. Because I remember there was a season that Ozil was close to it. I think he got 18. And then he got, like, two assists in the second half of the season. Exactly. That would be an interesting one. Um, Absolutely. Um, So moving on to the next game. And I think this game is one that we have to talk about next because of the shock of this game. Um, and that was Leicester hosting Southampton at the King Power. Um, this 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 was a very very interesting game. Mm. Um, it, given their form in the Premier League so far this season, you would have expected Leicester to pick up all three points. But Southampton's recent upturn in performances and form meant that you know it was one that you you were certainly going to be on the edge of your seat for 
Uh, and, and, I, and I certainly was because there were loads of talking points in that game um, VAR. Uh, VAR of course uh, as always it's, it's, it's hard to mm. have a game without the interference of, of VAR these days um, you know chances uh, from, um, from from Danny Ings uh, Dennis uh, Pratt scoring his first goal for Leicester I like him um, a few top saves from um, Kasper Schmeichel as well mm. Um, mm. but yeah anyway take us away um, um, uh, Dot what are your thoughts on that game this was a difficult watch for me personally because I love both of these teams mm-hmm. and I love both of these managers. Mm-hmm. But I kind of wanted Southampton to win. I recall um, calling Ralph Hudson um one of the top managers in the league and I took a few pelters for it. Um, but the upturn in form is, is startling. I mean, this is a team that lost 9-0 to Leicester. Um, as Dej likes to call it, the colonisation. <laughs> yeah, um, they took over. <laughs> for them to go full circle and go to the King Power and win, that is a massive statement. Mm-hmm. And apparently before the game, they were posting up videos of all the nine goals in the changing room. Leicester put it on their TV screens and that really antagonised Southampton. Mm-hmm. So Ralph Hasenhutl said, listen, you go out there and you win this game. Even though he played it out, um, he played it down at the end of the game. So that was very interesting. Um Ings has 10 in his last 10. Um, Surely, surely has to be considered for England because Mm. this is a player playing at the top of his form. And we know Harry Kane is out until April. April. Mm -hmm. And for him to go surgery for a hamstring injury is really concerning because that means it's a really, really bad one. Mm -hmm. Usually the hamstring just heals by itself Mm -hmm. with time and patience. But... Southampton had too much energy for Leicester. If you watch the game, they beat them to every 50-50. They didn't allow Leicester to pass the ball out from the back. So Yonchu was was woeful. He nearly cost two goals. There was one penalty that he gave away that was luckily overturned. And he nearly gifted Danny Ings a goal in the first half. So this Leicester team, they seem tired. Um, as much as I love them, the lack of rotation to the team is starting to have a negative effect on the team's performance. And... Right now, Brendan Rodgers needs to consolidate that place in the top four. I know he's still got a big gap, but I feel that Leicester need to upturn in form quickly because in this Premier League, it's very quick and you can just be, you know, three Mm -hmm. defeats in a row. So hopefully they can win their next match. Yeah, I mean, as we mentioned, Southampton, 20 points from 36 available. Wins over Chelsea, Spurs and Leicester. You know, unbeaten in five games. We saw that impressive win against Tottenham. And as Dot said, there would have been a lot of psychological scar tissue accrued from that 9-0 game, even going, you know, a goal down again. And this is credit to what Hassan Otto is doing. And also we got to credit the Southampton board because after that 9-0 game, they could have said, you know what, this isn't working. We're throwing in the towel. But instead, they said, you know, we're going to give you time. And Hassan Otto has paid them back with that time. I mean, Hoiberg and Ward-Prowse in that middle, energy, Mm -hmm. bundles of energy, and, you know, they should have been leading, you know, by more goals. And mm. Brendan Rodgers said it, Masters, that, you know, we look tired. And I just want to highlight a major person that was missing, Wilfred Ndidi. He's someone that slept about, or slept mm. on, should I mm-hmm. say. I mean, Hamza Chowdhury, he couldn't cover the ground as well as well as Ndidi was. And you could see that he was missing Leicester's passing patterns as well. They weren't the same. They mm. were sloppy. 
So like, I think this is the time in the season where they need to reset. Mm. Obviously, would have thought after the two Liverpool um, defeats against you know Liverpool and City that mm. that was the time. But this is the time because they're looking sloppy. Yeah, but then, <laughs> remember when I said it like two weeks ago and you were like, but Dot, like they play once a week. But I was like, no, you can see it in their performance that they're a bit tired. Yeah, I know. They had the midweek game against you know Aston mm. Villa as well. Mm. So obviously, they had two games in a week. And I just think they might have hit a plateau. And again, we mentioned about the rotation. Mm-hmm. Do you have that squad, you know, 15, 16 bodies? And it's showing they can't cope. I know mm-hmm. they beat mm-hmm. West Ham, but they were in a torrid spell. <laughs> but again, Southampton, <laughs> they should have won that game to, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, canter. Yeah, yeah, but final point on that game is that I know we're probably being a bit harsh on Leicester, but that's because we really, really rate them. Mm-hmm. And what Brendan Rodgers has done there has been amazing. Obviously, we always knew that they're going to have a downturn in form. But I don't think we need to read too much into this because I still think they'll comfortably get top four. Mm-hmm. Final point on the game is that Leicester had five shots versus Southampton's 16. Yeah, yeah that's a worry. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, and just one of the points that you made, um, Dej, about the partnership between Hoiberg and Ward-Prowse, I uh, just wanted to give a shout out to Karl Anker because um, mm. he wrote a piece um, that was speaking about the importance of that partnership yeah. and, and, and that being central to Southampton's successes going forward. So, yeah, big up Karl Anker for that. Big Karl Anker doing up. amazing work right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're going to move on now um, to the game between Bournemouth and Watford, which was at the Vitality. Um, it's very interesting because it feels like just yesterday we were speaking about Watford and the fact that they had no chance of staying up. Um, it, it, it felt like a, just a couple of weeks ago that, you know, we were saying and, and, and everyone was talking about the fact that no team with that many points after X amount of games had, had ever stayed up. Um, and that win over Bournemouth today um, essentially meant that, you know, they climbed out of the bottom three. Mm. And, you know, we, we spoke about it uh, recently, you know, in, in the episode in our um, episode um, that we were discussing the different uh, recent managers and and and, um, and and were speaking about just how much of a transformation uh, the, the the recent appointment at Watford has buoyed and, and lifted the team and and now they look like a team possessed and, and a team that yeah. are very very um, uh, um, focused on staying in the league um, and I know you've uh, spoken about um, Dead. you've spoken about uh, Troy Deeney oh, he's and, and the fact that you know he, he's back and he's sort of rallying the troops me. and it's really important <laughs> yeah absolutely. people were slamming me saying oh it's 2019 and you're still screaming Troy Deeney mm-hmm. but this is a guy I mean we've met him at mm-hmm. an event and when we spoke to him you can feel that this is a, a leader of men mm-hmm. and before he's you know before he, um, when he was injured while he weren't playing, you could see that there was no identity in this Watford side. They're a bunch of like young kids. You mm-hmm. know, you've got Delifu, he's not a leader. Mm-hmm. He's Mele he's not a leader. Decore, he kind of leads in his performances, mm-hmm. but you could see they're all missing that focal point. And he when was you see. enough form as well, Dej. Yeah, exactly. So when you see Troy Dean, you know. Yeah, this guy's going to bring it. Even mm. when he scored his goal, the way he just slapped it in. Mm. Like, he's got a personality. Yeah, yeah. And credit has to go to Nigel Pearson, you know, mm-hmm. overseeing this, you know, run of form. I mean, they lost their opening game against um, Liverpool. But since then, I think they've scored, like, the opening goal in their last five games. Mm. And I mean, that's a great base because, you know, Nigel Pearson, he wants to set his team up in the shape and work from there. And I mean, when you've got, you know, hungry midfielders, like, you know, 
the core, I mean, the pace, the power, the skill, mm-hmm. you know, the ability. I mean, it's therefore to see. And this was a man that was being linked with moves for like 35, 40 million. So again, um, Watford, I said, I think last week that I was going to, or two weeks ago, that I'm going to nail my colours to the mask and mm-hmm. say they're going to stay, stay up. up. Mm-hmm. I think they've got more than enough to stay up and nothing's changed my mind since. Yeah, since um, the Liverpool game is four wins out of five for Watford and whatever you think of Nigel Pearson, he gets a tune out of his players mm-hmm. and he's a good manager. And as I've always said, Watford, they have talented footballers. I've always said it, Delafue is a good talented player mm-hmm. um, Pereira talented player Saar talented player but now these players are playing well consistently mm-hmm. and they're showing that listen we are good players and as Dez said I think they're going to now stay up mm. yeah uh, I mean Bournemouth uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? so just before yeah. we touch on Bournemouth because I think we, we need yeah, to spend some time to, really yeah. dissecting Bournemouth yeah. Uh, yeah. the only point that I wanted yeah. to raise left on Watford is an unsung hero in Ismail Saar in his last five games, he's got two goals and three assists. So he's made a telling contribution in each of his last five games. The only one he didn't, which was their 1-0 loss against Sheffield mm. uh, United. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a um, highly rated player yeah. though, Budge. Mm. Like, Ismail Saar came with a reputation. Mm. So, you know, he was being used wrongly under yeah. the last manager. And now he's got a manager that's put his arm around him and said, listen, you're a talent go mm-hmm. out there and show us what you can do. He's yeah. now doing it. And I remember the game against Liverpool, there was a clip going around on social media. Mane said, make sure you look after this boy. Yeah, They're now yeah, looking yeah. after yeah, him exactly. and you're seeing the rewards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had our, you know, African expert, Isma- um, Raman Osman. Mm-hmm. He came on and said, Ismail Assar, he's a talented boy mm-hmm. that this guy is going to do big things. And you could see that he's a shy boy. I mean, mm. that clip that you alluded to, Dot, you could see Mane was sort of like the older brother yeah, and yeah, saying, yeah, Dini, yeah, yeah. Troy look after him and Troy was like oh yeah he needs to speak English but he's a good boy yeah, yeah, and you can yeah. see that on on the pitch you know he, he's starting to deliver and this guy has got bundles of pace mm-hmm. and in the Premier League if you want to be a forward you need those you yeah, know commodities to be able to trouble defences um, and when I look at him as Dad said earlier he's got the pace he's got the power he's got the trickery he's got the skill he's mm-hmm. got all the raw attributes to be a good player and mm-hmm. now he's showing that because yeah. he has the confidence 100% um, so unfortunately we oh, have to yeah. speak about I'm sad um, yeah. it, it is sad but you know so Bournemouth of course again the caveat being that they are ravaged with injuries as well is that an um, excuse now Borge? that's the problem I mean one win out of 12 this is worse like Premier League form that you can ever mm. even think about hey, you know, I mean the, this is worse than that derby form that got relegated with what nine points I mean you know, this you is know the worry for me with the Eddie Howe side we always will say they're gonna score goals that mm-hmm. this TR they'll stay up they'll score goals mm-hmm. when I look at their recent form I mean obviously they lost 3-0 today 4-0 against West Ham 2-0 against Brighton they drew 1-1 against Arsenal losing at home to Burnley this is a worrying trend. They're on a real downward trajectory. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw Eddie Howe's interview after the game saying that he's going to reflect on his position. And we saw him and Jason Tindall walking off the pitch, like thinking, like, what can we do to arrest this? Mm. You can see he's stressed. You can see in his face that he's figuring out, what can I do? I, I mean, even think to go a step further, it looked to me like, a man that was resigned that I can't solve this I don't have the solutions to physically solve this anymore and that's what I took from the end of that match when I saw Eddie Howe and Jason Tindall's body language 
I'm not sure. I mean, we're going to have to, you know, see how the next few days develop. Um, One thing about Bournemouth, I'll say, is that their recruitment in recent times hasn't been great. I mean, I want to take, you know, Dominic Solanke, you know, as a case in point. I know he scored last week in the FA Cup. But as Michael Bill said, he's been playing with some mental anchors. You could see there was like a spillage where he could have done better, but it just seems like he's thinking too much. Yeah, Yeah, like he's overthinking. And Callum Wilson, this is a guy that, you know, is being linked with Everton and West Ham for 40, 50 million. Mm. You know, he doesn't look like he can score. He was being linked with Chelsea. That's how Mm. good he was doing. Yeah, so you have to wonder, like, what's going on at Bournemouth? Has it got to the stage, you know, like a baby when you're trying to feed a baby and they just start spitting it out on their, you know, <laughs> on their <laughs> bib? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So um, I'm sad. I'm really sad because Bournemouth are a good team. They're just good for the Premier League, if you understand yeah, what I'm trying to say. The right but way. as Dej alluded to, the problem with Bournemouth is that the identity is, is gone. When I look at them, I'm like, what are you? You're can't attack you can't defend you can't score but you concede a lorry load of goals and that's only going to culminate in relegation um the sad thing is that eddie howe went back to basics today he put warren fraser back into his preferred position on the left wing harry wilson that's had a good season on the right wing um lerma in center midfield um solanke behind callum wilson and to be fair they don't look like scoring in a month of Sundays today. Yeah, just to you know, add on to that point, they had their first and only shot on target in the ninth minute. I mean, when you see Bournemouth mm. under Eddie Howe and their pump, they're putting teams to yeah, the sword. Yeah, they're yeah. looking like a threat, mm-hmm. you know, for each and every minute of the game. And, you know, where did they go from here? Only one shot on target. Watford had six. Would Eddie Howe walk? I think he's an honourable guy. If mm. he feels in his hearts of hearts that he can't take the team forward, I think he will. I don't think Bournemouth will sack him mm. because there's um, there's a real connection there. And this is the question I wanted to ask. So before I ask this question, I want to ask you guys, do you feel that Bournemouth will go down? No. What about you, Dej? I'm just thinking of all the teams that can go down. Norwich, gone. <laughs> um... <laughs> No, I think Norwich and Aston Villa will go. Then yeah. I think the remaining position is between Bournemouth, Burnley and Brighton. Fine. Okay. So that leads me to my next question. Um, and it kind of ties in with what you were speaking about earlier with the position of Dean Smith yeah. at, at Aston Villa and the fact that he's brought them up through promo- promotion. So he should be afforded at least a season. Now, someone, and and again, you, you alluded to this when you spoke about Eddie Howe and his affinity with Bournemouth in that, you know, he's, he's, he's Bournemouth uh, through and through. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He's, he's, brought he's, he's, the he's brought them up mm. through the, through, through the bottom and whatnot. And now they're in the Premier League and they've been here for a few, for, for, for a few seasons now. So, given this blip at the moment and 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 the, the you know the downward trajectory mm. of their performances, is it fair to say you know let's part company? The thing now? is about football is a cruel world. Like you've put Bournemouth in this position where they're mid-table Premier League team, 
but now that is the standard so if you sleep slip below that standard then your job is going to be under scrutiny mm-hmm. um i do think eddie howe is going to keep bournemouth up um this season i think they will just escape relegation because i still believe that those attacking players will come good um later on in the season mm-hmm. but for me you've got to judge football on the here and now I do um, understand that what you've done previously should be taken into account and they're given Eddie Howe more than enough time to turn it round. So if the board feel that, listen, this is not working anymore, I want to make a change, then that's fair enough. But Eddie Howe's stock shouldn't be diminished because of what's happening here. Mm. I think that he should still be able to walk into a better club than Bournemouth mm. because I really love his methods and I think he's a really, really good manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, my view on the situation is, um, you know, I think Eddie Howe should stay. I think, mm-hmm. you know, the time that he served at Bournemouth, I remember there was a stage where they were going to get, you know, relegated out of the football leagues and he was at the helm. I think even previously in 2019, he was given the freedom of the city. So there's a lot of goodwill and affinity to him from the town. Again, we have to judge football on the, you know, results that are happening and, and it's not good enough. So something needs to change. Mm-hmm. When we look at the... Um, you know, the team is ravaged with a lot of injuries. So obviously that's a mitigating, you know, circumstance mm-hmm. because you're not able to consistently put out your best players. Mm-hmm. And a team like Bournemouth, you need to be putting out your best players if you want to be getting regular well, results. Particularly um, in defence. Nathan Ake, huge miss. Mm, and he but came he back today. today. And he looked mm. rusty, obviously, of to course. be fair to him. Yeah. And he hasn't played mm. in a long of course, round, of course. in a long time. But of course, you know, the keeper as well, you know, Ramsdale. They had to bring in Travis today and, you know, he made a bit of a mistake for the goal. So things like this are going against them. Will the board say, you know what, this is poor, we're going to sack you? No, I can only see it being sort of like a Eddie Howe decision. Mm. And he's going to probably be reflecting tonight. I know the team love him, the community love him. So they'll probably say, you know what, no, you know, we're ready. We're going to fight for you. But Mm. will that be enough? Time will tell. Final Mm. point is that one thing I will just quickly say is that I think this is the first time I've heard the fans boo at full time. Mm. <laughs> right <laughs> um, so moving on now uh, the next game we're going to talk about was interesting because you had the longest serving manager in the Premier League versus the shortest um, term man- um, manager so far so that was 44 years versus 3 weeks um, it was a London derby um, and of course we're going to go into the different talking points in the game um, of course I'm speaking about Crystal Palace and, and Arsenal yeah. uh, at Selhurst Park um, and, and one of them being the um, can I use the word controversial I don't know um, decision to send off um, Aubameyang could have snapped his ankle what, what I will say though a very interesting stat is that um, three players have been sent off after scoring in Arsenal's history but I know one of them. The, he's the first. He, well, Arteta done exactly the same thing. Exactly. He was a, the first one was Arteta mm. against Crystal Palace and, yeah. wow. at Selhurst Park wow. in 2013. Wow. Um, so history certainly repeated repeated itself. That Who's was quite one? interesting. I don't know the second one actually. No, no, no. The key, yeah, the key one was the was was the Arteta one. So yeah, you were onto that one. Um, so take us away, um, Dot. What are your thoughts on on that game? I mean, Arsenal have failed to win any of their last 15 league games against teams above them mm. that is absolutely appalling mm-hmm. I mean come on this is Arsenal Football Club you're meant to be beating teams like Crystal Palace mm. um, away from home though 
Caveat, Park is 10 not, men. Caveat. I don't think they've beaten Palace um, away in their last like four or five games as well. Mm-hmm. So Palace, you know, have a decent record yeah. against them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, watching the game, you know, similar signs from what we've seen from Arteta, you know, you know, dominating the ball. I think in the first 10, 15 minutes, they had like 80% of the ball. Mm. And I mean, that was a beautiful goal. That was oh, made well from worked. the mm, yeah. made from the training pitch. Mm-hmm. Arteta loves to have a ball playing centre-back. I think David Luiz, you know, fizzed it in. Ozil played it into Lacazette and he threaded in a mm. beautiful goal. And when you've got a Bamiyang in your ranks, you know, he's going to slot them mm-hmm. away. So that was a good start. But with what we see with this Arsenal team it's always diminishing it's just about when they're going to fatigue yeah. and when they fatigue the opposition gets into the game mm-hmm. and puts them in the sword and <laughs> you know even the goal for um, you know Jordan Ayew I mean David Luiz I won't blame him but mm-hmm. I remember like I think it was Gary Neville he normally says he doesn't like defenders or Van der Sar used to tell him that if you're a defender you know what shoot and let me try and save it don't do anything silly mm. so he can move the trajectory mm-hmm. of the ball and that's what we saw with that goal but I mean for Miguel Arteta you know one win in four people are saying that he's having this transformational mm. effect I'm not sure you know dominated for 45 minutes against you know championship leads I'm not sure you <laughs> know like mm. Let's not just look at results solely. Of course, we can look surely at performances. Surely we need to look at performance. Yeah. Of course, but I think he needs to be judged. You get a yeah, lot of people Dej, jumping on the hype. Oh, he's trying. Yeah, I've Dej, got my Dej, club Dej, back. My point Let's is, judge yeah, after my, a case of 10 to 15 games. 100%. But the point I'm trying to make is that let's look at it from the basic principles of football. Mm-hmm. Under Una Emre, Arsenal didn't dominate any half. So the progression from being dominated mm. for 80 to 90 minutes to now dominating 50 minutes and burning out is positive. Mm-hmm. They may not be getting the results straight away, mm. but you need to look at the journey of how they're going to get results in the future. So once you can, um, you know, pr- project that 45 minutes over 90 minutes, that's mm. when Arsenal are going to be getting results because all it takes is a lack of concentration to concede a goal and then it's 1-1. Mm-hmm. And that's where the quality of player comes into consideration. Of course. Players mm-hmm. like David Luiz, Socrates... They are not good enough to keep cl- clean sheets on a consistent basis. Of course, basis. I, I agree that um, Arteta has definitely had the influence. I mean, mm-hmm. when we look at the shots faced from Arsenal, it's gone drastically huge, yeah, down. So huge, that shows that he's point. getting a mm. you know a defensive um, organization going, mm-hmm. and you know he's masked you know David Luiz's limitation because since he's come in, we've seen a marked improvement in mm. Luiz's performance. But he still mm-hmm. has that moment. Of course, of course, but again, he's the sort of defender in terms of ball playing that Arteta is looking for because he can build from the back and that's what he wants. But going forward, is Arteta the solution? Time will tell. This is going to be a long term. I think it's too early to say he is. But I, I like think... his principles. I like what he stands for. And I can mm. give a manager time when I see, you know, genuine ability mm. to get a team playing in your image. Of course, mm. but we're going to be able to see whether he's the right man for the job. Mm. So. Where, where the problem is, is that Arsenal don't have enough players to score goals away from home. I mean, Aubameyang has scored 75% of Arsenal's away goals this season. Mm. Nine out of the 12 goals you've scored. The other three have come from set pieces. So I think the que- the bigger question is, what's Lacazette's contribution? I know he gave the brilliant through ball for the assist. Mm. But he has big chances, big moments in games to win them. And he fluffs his life. I don't think he scored an away goal in, in about a year. Yeah, February 2019 yeah. was the last time he scored an away goal. Nicolas Pepe. Mm. He had a good shot. Yeah, that yeah. Hit, hit, hit the, the post. post yeah. But other than that, he was pretty poor. Um, Meza Ozil. Meh, what's happened? Um, 
they said, is this going to be a flash in the pan? And to be fair, it does look like it's a bit of a flash in the pan. But I'm impressed with what I'm seeing with Arteta. I always said mm. with me is about performances. If I'm mm. seeing a high level of performance, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Because I know over a sustained period of time, those p- good performances are going to translate into good results. Mm. So with Arteta, I wouldn't be too disappointed. This season for me is a rattle for Arsenal. Mm. This is about creating building blocks for next season. Of course, of course. Um, and yeah, he's going to need like a full pre-season to like yeah, get the team into shape mm-hmm. physically as and well. mentally as well. And also, I don't think we've touched on, you know, the, the nasty challenge from Aubameyang on Max Meyer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just happy to see that Max Meyer was able to walk off the pitch on his own devices because... You know, the angle, when you saw the angle, you know, the ankle yeah. roll over. I thought it was, that's, when it, sl- when yeah. it slows down, it always makes it... Yeah, yeah like those always, are the ones where you can do yeah. your tibula and fibula and we don't want to be seeing that in football. I thought it was snapped, you know? Yeah, like you saw my like, hobble off. Like, mm. I was thinking, is he okay? But it was good to see that he, he left the pitch. But yeah, just looking at it from a Crystal Palace perspective, mm-hmm. I mean, Roy Hodgson, he's doing a tremendous job. People sleep on him. I mm. mean, Palace have only lost, you know, one of their last eight games. Um, ride the world I mean he's a player that's been in obscurity at um, Crystal Palace you know I think he came from Ajax and he was highly rated and he played very very well you know filling in for um, Van Arnholt so again wasn't a great great performance from Palace but most of the time at Selhurst Heart, you know, Selhurst Park, you know they're going to show heart and passion and that's mm. what they've done. And towards the end of the game, you know, they were knocking on the door trying to get that win. So again, their season rolls on mm. and onwards and upwards. Final point on this one is that I just want to pay tribute to the transformation um, Roy Hodgson's had for Jordan Ayew. He looks like a new player. Mm. Um, he's got five league goals this season. Um, Crystal Palace is top goal scorer. So I think, yeah, he's playing well. And Roy Hodgson is an underrated manager. Mm. And also, sorry, just St. Tosin as well. I actually think he's going to be a good signing for Crystal Palace. I mm. like that signing. He's a guy that I've looked at at Besiktas. I know he forged like a great relationship with Ryan Babel in that mm. Champions League run when they went to the knockout stages. So I think that's a smart piece of business. Fair, fair point. All right. Um, we're going to move on now um, to Stamford Bridge, where Chelsea hosted Burnley. Um, now, interesting stats. Uh, Burnley had only lost uh, two of their last six at the bridge, and Chelsea had lost their last two at home. Um, so, you know, it was one, again, uh, similar to the Leicester-Southampton uh, game where, you know, you, you you weren't too sure what to expect um, given 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 the form of both teams. Um, take us away um, on this one, Dej. What are your thoughts on that game? Yeah, it was an um, interesting game. You know, for 25 minutes, Chelsea looked like they were lacking ideas. Then, as we've seen so many times from this Burnley side, they like to self-implode. You know, William took on Matt Loughton and he brings him down and you're thinking, why are you bringing him down? The ball's mm. gone. But again, lack of concentration. But interestingly, like last week, I was reading a piece in the Mail on Sunday with uh, Jerry Cox and he was talking to um, Jody Morris about Callum Hudson-Odoi. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they were talking about the fact that Callum Hudson-Odoi had been, you know, a bit upset about his current form and he wanted to, you know, look at some video analysis and what Jody Morris was saying, to the naked eye, Callum Hudson-Odoi, he might be poor to people, but they're actually asking him to try new things. And they're quite happy with what he's doing. And also, like when we think about footballers, we just judge them on 
you know, the playing side of things. Jody Morris went in depth on the fact that this is a boy that's had a serious injury at a young age, something he's never had to contend with. This is a guy that was told from, you know, the start of his career, you're the best thing since sliced bread, bossing the age groups under 15, 16, 17s. And all of a sudden the whole world saying, oh, what's wrong with this guy? Oh, he's not worth the wages, this and that. So again, this gives us an insight into what players go through because I know he's taken a lot of flack on this show. I know from a co-conspirator dot, you know, <laughs> comparing him to Jordan Ibe. And, you know, Lampard came out after the game and was hailing him and praising him. But yeah, no, don't you want to get into the game? No, so. um, just to embutcherise your point, like, well done to Callum Hudson-Odoi. I've got no agenda against him. That's what I want to see. Him mm. going into the six-yard box, hungry for goals. I mean, Burnley are in shocking form. I mean, they've collected one point in 11 games against teams in the top half of the table. Mm. That is That is really, really bad. And when I see Burnley... They've been ravaged and riddled with mistakes continuously throughout the whole season. I remember the game against Man City. I remember the game against Liverpool. The game yesterday. Man United. You're the, not a team that, that are capable of passing the ball out from the back. So why are you doing this? Why mm. is Sean Dyche changing from his principles to try and please the media and the public? It mm. doesn't make sense. And Chelsea is a good win. It keeps them you know, in pole position for the top four. But what I want to leave you with is that Burnley's next three games are Leicester, Man United and Arsenal mm. relegation. Mm. And also what we haven't mentioned as well, Burnley, they're, you know, riddled with injuries as well. Mm-hmm. Chris Wood is their only striker. You know, Ashley Barnes is injured. Jay mm. Rodriguez is injured. So what they try to do to counteract that is play a five in midfield with, you know, Hendrick in behind mm. Chris Wood. Mm. But that... It lacks dynamism. Yeah, but yeah. they're like behind. a four-four-one-one, so it's basically like a four-four-two. But someone's just starting a bit deeper than what they traditionally do. Yeah, but like when I was watching the game, you could see them morph into a five. Mm. So, so you're saying that like the gap was too big from the midfield to the attacker. There was no sort of link. Yes, and you know Chris Wood found himself detached from mm. the play, and you know Christensen, he's been someone that's been in for some flack. Mm. He done well. I think he won like seventy-two percent of his duels against him, and he's been someone that's been you know cast aside as this weak link, and mm. you can bully him. Mm-hmm. So also it's interesting to see uh, Frank Lampard go with the two of Rudiger and Christensen and Tomori and Zuma on the bench, which shows that obviously he wants to build from the back. But obviously, just two more points before we move on. Can I just shout out Reese James? He was excellent. He was playing mm-hmm. like a man possessed on mm-hmm. that right wing. I mean, he was flying forward. He defended well, mm-hmm. whipped in some dangerous deliveries yeah. and had Even a for, real strong for, performance. Yeah, but, but that's what I was just going to mention. Nick Pope, what are you doing? Mm. That mm. was terrible. I can catch that. <laughs> you can catch that. <laughs> yeah. It was terrible goalkeeping, but again, Reese James, I've been high on him since preseason. I think we've done a show with, I think, Gold Diggers, and mm. I said that I've watched this boy at Wigan and the way he flies up and down yeah, that yeah, yeah. fullback, that this is one to watch. And, you know, he's he, he's proven me right so far. So, mm. again, onwards and upwards for um, Chelsea. They keep that five point buffer, mm. you know, to Manchester United. And yeah, onwards and upwards for them. Can Tammy Abraham um, get 20 uh, Premier League goals this season? Of course he can. How much is that? 13. 13, yeah. He's, he's in with a shot for, for your first full season in the Premier League that's not that's not bad doing, is it? I wouldn't say first, because he did have a spell previously in the Premier League. 
full, first, but full, first seat, full yeah, at where the he's top like, level. Yeah, yeah. Do you know okay. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. We're going to move on now um, to United, who played uh, Norwich at home. Um, uh, again, another milestone reached, uh, particularly for uh, Rashford, who played his 200th game and managed to score two goals. Um, what are your thoughts on the game? Take us away, please, Dot. Um, I just want to go all Duncan Alexander on you guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mata, <laughs> Mata made two assists in one game for the first time in eight years. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Man United was a good performance, but I said to Dej, Norwich, like, that is the perfect team for Man United. I mean, Norwich, they've got no defence. Let's, let's be honest. They're a team that play with no defence and with the pace and the trickery of Marcus Rashford and Martial, there was only going to be one winner in this game, and Man United put them to the sword. Um, Rashford, 19 goals this season. Only Raheem Sterling has scored more, which is 20. Um, that, that's for club and country, right? No, it, or just... all, um, for, for, uh, for their club oh, for right. their club team. Oh, well, Raheem okay. Sterling's got 20 goals in all competitions, and okay. Rashford has 19. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would say is that I just want to shine a spotlight on Mason Greenwood because I've been big on this boy. I mm. think he's a mercurial talent. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I watch him, he's got so much composure for someone yeah. so young. Yeah. And that's what I like to see. And that's why sometimes I'm harsh on other young players because to set you apart, you need that composure. Mm-hmm. And when I see Greenwood, everything is played on his terms mm-hmm. and his pace. Mm-hmm. And that's what excites me about this boy. Um, it's a very good win for Man United, but damn, Norwich are dire. Yeah, I mean, that game was like a blast from the past, you know, from Fergie, <laughs> you know, making examples out yeah. of poor opposition, going there and taking a, taking a hiding. I mean, you know, I know Dot's focus on Mason Greenwood. I want to focus on Brandon Williams. I mean, this is a guy that he's coming and he's looked like, you know, long term, he can be a solution yeah, for Manchester yeah, United. Yeah. I've like, got a lot of energy, man. Yeah. It gets up and down, yeah. The way he marauds up and down, I mean, you know, his energy won him that penalty. Mm. I mean, you could see it coming from a mile away. I mean, that was poor keeping from <laughs> Tim Krull. Mm. You expect so much better from, you know, a keeper with so much experience. I mean, you know... Another talent that Dots mentioned, Marcus Rashford. I mean, he's morphing into a supreme talent. He's definitely on an upward trajectory. I mean, Mm. this is the thing with youngsters. We can't just judge them from when they burst onto the scene. Mm. Different people grow at different times. So Mm -hmm. people burst on, they're there for 10, 15 years. Mm. Someone might burst on at 17 you know, until 19, he's downwards, then he goes back yeah. up. So it's different for everyone. And he's still um, fairly young at 22, right? Mm, I mean, did you see that Elastico? I mean, yeah, Sam Byron was, was on his backside. So yeah. this is a guy that's, you know, doing his thing. And yeah, he was, was playing with a swagger in that yeah. game, certainly. Even the way that he was passing the ball mm. and some of the things that he was... He's got, got confidence. confidence. in the yeah. best form certainly. of his career. But Brandon Williams, you see his miss from three. Yeah, that oh. was terrible. That was absolutely but, terrible it's terrible but what I like is that he's in that position to miss that chance and that's the positive you've got to take from it Mm. and another funny stat is that um, Andres Pereira has um, created 23 chances in the Premier League and that's the most for Manchester United so a lot of people are quick to say he's a nothing player Mm. but he's actually been their most creative player this season crazy the Mm. irony Mm, yeah honestly that is very (laughs) ironic I mean Mm. Mason Greenwood as you said quality player I mean he scored like a similar goal against AZ Alkmaar but I just wanted to obviously we like touching on all teams so I wanted to touch on um, Norwich as well I mean when you look at that team 
what do you think the issue is? Because when we look at Premier League teams that get cut adrift, you you always say maybe there's one player that mm. could get a Prem move. But when I look at this Norwich side, there's so many players that I see staying in the Prem. Yeah, you yeah, know, Puki, yeah. Buendia, yeah. Cantwell, mm-hmm. Godfrey, Aaron's, Jamal Lewis. So what do you think the issue is? The issue is is that they play too expansive that's what the issue is they play like they're a top four team when really and truly they should be a bit more pragmatic in their approach Mm -hmm. and they can score goals but they don't have enough quality to outscore good teams Mm -hmm. and they don't have the defense to defend well individually they're a good team when you look at position Mm -hmm. for position they're a good team but as a collective they're not good enough to win games consistently but that's why you can see on their best performance they can beat a team like Man City because they have the quality in the team Mm -hmm. but they're just too open and if you don't have a solid defence you're always going to lose games in the Premier League one win in 17 is damning and yeah they're, they're gone I feel for yeah. Stuart Webber and Daniel Fark because I really like that pairing mm. fair point alright so in the interest of time we've got to really race through these um, next few fixtures I think we've got two left to, to, to dissect uh, the first of which in fact three um, the first of which is going to be the game between Everton and Brighton at Goodison Park um, for me, Richarlison's goal Ooh. was goal of the weekend. Yeah. Um, Dej, take us away on this game. I mean, this was a game that, you know, there was a lot of spotlight on Everton after last week's debacle, you know, losing against Liverpool under 15s. I mean, <laughs> and playing your strongest team. You know, Everton were very dominant from, you know, the start. And there was a lot of furore around the club. I mean, Marcel Brands was meeting disgruntled fans at, you know, their Finch Farm training base. Um, Delph had a spat online on mm. Instagram with a fan and obviously Carlo Ancelotti told him off and he was actually booed during the game but mm. when you actually break down the game Everton done what they had to do I mean Brighton again when they try and play this new brand of football <laughs> like I feel for Duncan Duffy <laughs> when they have to turn and you know run and face towards their goal they struggle they haven't got it's that like they're stuck in marks. yeah like they can't run like mm. there were several times Calvert-Lewin was bodying them and you felt for them but again this was a game that you expect Everton to win anyway and yeah it's another three points for them and yeah I can see them you know finishing eighth ninth and yeah since the start of last season, only Liverpool have kept more home clean yeah. sheets than Everton. So as bad as what Everton wow. have been, okay. they have a, a decent foundation at home where they keep a lot of clean sheets. Mm. Um, I just want to shine a spotlight on the Theo Walcott chance early on. Mm-hmm. Um, he was pulled down and he stayed on his feet mm. and um, it, you know, um, it affected his shot and he didn't get the penalty. Mm. And people are so quick to say oh players should stay on their feet but if they stay on their feet they're not getting rewarded because that was the stonewall penalty Mm -hmm. if Phil Walcott went down in the box he he would have won the penalty he stays up because of fair play and you want to you know have the good side of the game and be honest Mm -hmm. gets his shot off he's fouled doesn't score and there's no penalty Mm -hmm. so all of this X is a diver Z is a diver until you give penalties for when players stay on their feet I encourage players to fall down when there's contact. Mm. No, fair point. Um, I was that that was the perfect. That was the perfect time to make the statement. Listen, if you're gonna do that, pull people's shirts in the box and they they stay honest and they stay on their feet. Mm. We're gonna punish you and set a precedent that we're gonna start giving penalties for this. And yeah. they bottled it. Yeah. No, definitely a valid point. Um, a bit of a left field one, really quickly before we move on to the next game. What tier do you put uh, Bernard in? You know what's funny? I like him. I've always said it. I remember when I had... Um, tier three? 
Tiffy. I remember when I had you, some... Would you classify him as a talented player? Or would you give He's him a, a talented player that? because yesterday he put on a virtuoso performance. Mm. But over this, his spell at Everton, we haven't seen that enough. Mm. So he's always been a player that was highly rated. I remember when he went to Shakhtar... He mm. was really, really highly rated. Yeah. A lot of the um, best teams in Europe were coveting him. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of hit a plateau and hit a downward trajectory. Mm. Um, is he a good player? I'm not sure. Is he a talented player? Of course he is. All right, fair point. We're going to move on to the next game, which was um, at the Molyneux. Wolves hosted Newcastle. It was a 1-1. Um, we're going to ask... Uh, dot to take us away on this one. The one thing I will say is three goals in uh, um, three uh, games, I think, or three weeks yeah, for, three for Miguel Almiron. Yeah. Um, so when it rains, it pours for him, yeah, certainly man. at the moment. Well done to Almiron. I'm really, really happy with him. Um, it's good to see someone, you know, go through a hard time and come out of it stronger and he's starting to score goals. I mean, Wolves have conceded the first goal in the last six Premier League matches, which is a concern. Wolves, to be fair to them, have recovered 15 points from losing positions, which is more than any other team. So, Wolves are a team with a strong mentality. Um, They're, you know, usually slow starters, which is a concern for um, the manager. But I feel that, let's be honest, this was a bold draw. There's nothing to really talk about in this Mm. game. Um, I think it was a fair result. I didn't watch the game, but I saw the highlights. And to me, 1-1 seems fair, in my opinion. Yeah, man. Um, that was a game I was thinking before. Banker for, um, you know, Wolves. Mm. When you look at Newcastle, Steve Bruce has come out and said this is the worst injury crisis he's seen in 40 years. Players are having to play injured. So for them to actually get a point was a was a massive result for them because they've been on a bit of a rotten, you know, run. Mm. I remember their last home game, the fans were booing. And you know, the Newcastle fans, once they turn, they turn kind of thing. But again, Wolves... They're lacking, you know, cutting edge in that final third. It's like, you know, it's getting to the stage where it's Adama Traore or Bus. Mm. And you can't continue to play like that because teams will figure you out. And also we have to wonder whether, you know, some fatigue is setting. You know, this is a team that's had a long Europa League run. You know, the festive period. Is it catching up with them? But yeah, again, one point for both teams, onwards and upwards. But I was thinking Wolves could maybe do something, maybe get a Europa League space. But I just mm. think it's going to be another season of consolidation for them, which mm. isn't necessarily a bad thing. That's, to mm-hmm. be honest, they may actually win the Europa League. I think they've got a good chance of winning it. Final point on the game is that Steve Bruce has been incandescent throughout the whole festive period saying, listen, this is pathetic. This is a joke. There's too much football. Come on, Premier League. Listen to these managers. Fair point. Uh, final question from me on this before we move on to the final game. There's obviously uh, rumours at the moment um, that City are interested in Adama Traore. Um, wh- do you feel that there's actually legs to that rumour? And can you see him fitting into Pep's plans and style of play? What are your thoughts on that? Um, again, as we said before, I think when we were discussing Adama Traore's suitability for Spain... He's a player that, you know, he can bring on for the last 20, 25 mm. minutes to run, you know, havoc. And mm. also this might interlink with Leroy Sane's future as well, mm-hmm. because it's looking like he's going to go to Bayern Munich. But um, can I see it happening? 
I'm not sure. Mm. I think Adama Traore sees himself as like one of the main men. If I go to a team, I want to be starting every mm. game. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Pep Guardiola will be able to guarantee him that. Um, from what I understand, I've spoken to a few people um, in the game that are really respected. And from what I understand is that Man City's intentions is to not do any business this January. Mm-hmm. They are planning for the summer and they're not going to be making any moves for any players this January unless an uh, amazing deal comes up that suits mm. them. Mm. But I think they're gonna they're gonna go all out uh, in the summer. Surely, apparently, from what I've been told, they're looking at five five editions in yeah. the summer. I'm not surprised at all. Okay, uh, the final game of the weekend was the game played first um, on Friday, and that was uh, Sheffield United at home to West Ham. And I think this was very, very interesting and a, um, a great game because, of course, we saw that um, that huge uh, VAR incident with the disallowed goal uh, from Robert Snodgrass from the um, Declan Rice uh, assist. He um, also handballed hand, hand um, the ball, of course, and that's why the, gate, the, the goal was disallowed. Um, Sheffield Wednesday scored... Uh, sorry, Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield United scored. <laughs> Sheffield United. <laughs> Sheffield United it's been a long scored. Old week, boy, Joe. Uh, Sheffield United scored via Ollie McBurney. Uh, my uh, good friend John Fleck with the assist. Yep. I thought McBurney is not good, you know. You know, he nearly missed it. <laughs> Martin should have saved that. Like, that was poor keeping, poor mm. defending all round. I mean, David but, Martin, that's a clanger, though. Mm, like, do yeah. you see what he done in the build up for the goal? Did he yeah, cause that? Yeah, he tried to play it to, I think, Val. Wayner mm. and it was just poor poor defending all round and you know first of all big up to um, Chris Wilder he was handed a new contract on, yeah. on the eve of that game richly deserved 100% this he's is a there till 2024, 2024 now right I believe so mm-hmm. yeah so you know this is a manager that started in the Sunday league so he's transformed this club but if we're going to dissect the game it was like a you know, it, it was a boring game. Let's mm. be honest. It didn't capture the imagination and it was going to take something like, you know, a mistake to decide it, which is what we saw. But um, obviously the game was overshadowed by VAR. Uh, what I want to make clear, I think everyone's spoken about it as well, is what's happened is VAR has done its job. It's the handball ruling that is the issue. The rule is if it hits your hand, then it's a foul. It can't stand as a goal. And that's the rule that needs changing in my opinion, because before it was like, if there's no intention from the player, then, you know, it can run, it can be a goal. But what we saw is obviously it did hit, you know, Rice's hand and we saw him on Twitter. There was a lot of outrage, you know, I think Carragher was saying that the rule is a farce and yeah, <laughs> Declan Rice agreed with him and said, you know, this is ruining football. Yeah. If you Even are in his players, uh, um, uh, interview, he was, yeah, he was sharing that, that, that sentiment. He said that, you know, if you ask all of the players, all of the players want VAR to be outlawed, mm. whether that's true, I'm not sure about that. But again, you know, for West Ham, it's a costly, costly loss, and mm. David Moyes gets his first defeat as manager. I mean, when when West Ham scored, you could see the joy in his face. Yeah. It's like mm. he forgot that you know the last time when he managed VAR wasn't about, so he thought, you know, I can enjoy this. But mm. That's as we saw, the scenes yeah, that was, you don't want to see because my friend was at the game in the away end, and it was like that was like the best feeling, and then the goal gets chalked off. It's mm. kind of like. Oh, come on. Yeah. But what I would say is that, just to give you some insight into VAR, is that from what I've heard is that the Premier League are happy with their implementation of VAR. They've said, listen, we were set to introduce VAR this year and we have done that. Mm-hmm. With what happens with the ruling systems, that's nothing to do with us. That's under IFAB. 
mm-hmm. who deal with the rules and regulations of the VAR rules. Mm-hmm. So the Premier League are happy and there will be no change until the start of next season because they have to keep the integrity of the Premier League throughout the whole course of the season. Mm-hmm. So all this complaining and all this, you know, comments are not going to do anything because there's going to be no immediate change. There will mm-hmm. be change maybe next season, but nothing for now. What's I think, what's something that I think is very, very worrying um, uh, in that game, particularly for West Ham, is the injury to Fabianski. <laughs> So oh, it, it, it looks like it's a, a reoccurrence, reoccurrence yeah. of the same hip injury. You saw him straight away with yeah. that nasty, the hip. Yeah. I mean, mm, it seems to good. be, you know, the, the footballing gods don't seem to yeah. be West Ham. And it seems like Roberto, you know, is edging towards him. The footballing gods want Roberto to be in custody of that goalkeeper position because, as I said before, I think I said it last week that Darren Randolph has been linked with the club and. You know, it looks like he's going to be probably out for the next, you know, Fabianski mm. for the next six to eight weeks. And, you know, Did they you don't want to be layers on the Randolph situation. Or? Um, No, I've spoken to a few people in the game and, you know, they've said that there's been, you know, no updates on the situation. But I understand that West Ham will be aggressively pursuing a goalkeeper in this transfer window. Mm. Absolutely. Right. OK. Um, now we've, of course, uh, covered each of the games. We're going to wrap things up now with our favourite segment, which is the prospect of the week. So for all of you who aren't familiar with what this is, essentially the prospect of the week isn't a good thing. Um the prospect of the week is anyone within the game. So it can be a player, it can be a manager, it can be a coach, it can be whoever who's had an absolute clangor. So if it's a player, someone who's seen red and dived in and made a horrible challenge, uh, baggy touches, overhit passes, uh, uh, goalkeeping errors, um, a manager who's got his tactics uh, wrong. It can literally be anything. Um, so again, I repeat, the prospect of the week is not a good thing. It's essentially a seasoned professional who's playing as though it's their first time under the bright lights. Um, and so with that being said, I want to ask you guys, who is your prospect of the week? There are a few contenders this week, certainly. Several. A few goalkeepers in there, a few midfielders, a few defenders. Um, there were, you know, a few clangers, definitely uh, mistimed challenges, um, goalkeeping errors and all the rest of it. With that being said, um, we're going to start with you, Dot. Who's your prospect of the week? I mean, I'm going to go left field. Um, as Dead said, he thought this game was a routine win. Um, Leicester, um, Brendan <laughs> Rodgers, um, John Rodkin, um, Suzanne Whelan. You guys were playing the 9 0 victory pre match, mm. you know, celebrating all the goals. Southampton came to the King Power Stadium and they bossed you and mm-hmm. they won the game. So, Leicester Football Club, <laughs> I know you can't be listening as, as a whole, but if some of your fans or some of your players or your management team are listening, Leicester Football Club, you're my prospect of the week. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Um, yeah, I'm, mine's going to be a bit more boring, you know, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, the game happened, you know, today, Sunday. Yeah, um, we can know who he's going for. He's going for. Yeah, it's a manager <laughs> I like a Dead lot. Man, he's man. young. He's a young manager, day. you know, they've been in the Premier League for a few years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they got totally outplayed, totally outfought against opposition where you'd expect them to get a result. This was the, you know, relegation six-pointer. 
that you know everyone likes to call it and you know they took a you know a hammering you know as dot mentioned earlier you know the fans were booing and it's a crucial time for this club you know with you know 16 17 games to go what's going to happen but you know to cut a long story short Eddie Howe you're my prospect of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it has, it has to be done. Yeah, no one can escape. No one is no one no safe. One safe. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Right. So we're going to call it a day there. Thank you very much for listening in up until this point. Um, just a reminder, if you're not yet following us on Twitter, make sure you do. Our handle is at podcast underscore TBG. You can also follow us on Instagram at pod underscore TBG. Um, you can listen to our episodes on Spotify, on SoundCloud and on Apple Podcasts. And if you are listening in on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave a five star review. If you'd like Thank you for to, all the reviews, guys. Yes, yeah, it means yes, a lot. It, it helps does mean visibility, a lot. We really know? do appreciate mm. it, guys. Um, if you would like to tweet us uh, uh, talking about and giving and sharing your views on anything that we discussed on the episode, um, if you want to give your prospect of the week this weekend, um, then make sure you do so using the hashtag TBGPod. Right, we need to make sure it's ingrained. Whenever you are tweeting us, make sure you use the hashtag. Uh, let's get it trending. Um, th- again, thank you very much, guys, for everything that you guys have been doing to Definitely. support us up until this point. Mm. As um, Dot mentioned earlier, honestly, we might not be able to get back to everything, but we re- we see everything and we, we really, everything. really appreciate mm. it. We, we read everything, it we take it in. Mm-hmm. Um, your feedback is so, so crucial and vital to the progress and the development of our platform. So keep feeding back, keep sharing your views. And Budge, finally, what I wanted to say earlier and I forgot was that next week is our one year anniversary. Right. Right. So I thought you were going to remember it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I just want to quickly right just mention that, like, we do this podcast every single week. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you think, why are we doing this? Like, what's the reason for us to do this? And, like, you're just in routine, but mm. it's episodes like Michael Bill or Henry yeah. Winter or Darren yeah. Lewis, and then you yeah. get all the feedback and you yeah. get all the love and you get the feedback. That's why we do yeah, it. 100%. And we appreciate everyone. That's it. 110%. I mean, you know, the year's flown by. Mm. I mean, like, even if we want to review, you know, the year quickly, yeah, you know, yeah. it's been what a roller coaster. I mean, when we first set out to do this, couldn't have imagined what we've done in this year. The At people all. that we've spoken to, I think sometimes we don't even recognize it. We're just, yeah. you know, rolling our episodes. But when you, you know, take into consideration what we've done this year, I mean, I just want to big both of you up, man. You know, yeah, it's a team man. effort. Love. 100%. And, you know, love, like man. both of you, you know, hanging in there every week, working. When we're mm. tired, we're grinding. Yeah, but again, yeah, yeah. when we get the Putting feedback, like mm. when I got that feedback, I was thinking, you know what, I'm going hard. Yeah. Like, I was phoning up contacts yeah, saying, you know yeah, what, yeah. like mm. this and that. It, it makes, you know, the journey so much worthwhile. And, and humble, I could, be, humble mm. beginnings, man. Humble yeah. You remember when, you know, the early days of Skype and... Ten pound mics. Yeah, let's improve our sound. Ten pound mics. We all got the same one. Then we went to a next studio. Obviously, big up that studio because they were trying their best, but Mm. the quality wasn't the best. But I just want to big up every single person that's listened to the podcast. I want to big up all the guests. I want to big up all the friends, the special guests. Mm. Shout out Adrian Kajumba. Shout out Rob Harris. Shout Mm. out Jack Pitt Brooks. Miguel Delaney. Miguel Delaney. Gavin Rose. We'll be going on for this. Frank Newball. 
David Big and Me. Oh, yeah, so many, so yeah. many people. Big up MK, all of those yeah. guys. Boss. Big up Boss. Yep. You know, mm. they've been there Real one, Moose. All of these guys. So, yeah, exactly. All of these people. HP, like the source as well, yeah, jumping on. My yeah, guy. Gaz as well, yeah, the coaches, just, everyone that listens in. Yeah. There's so many people to thank and so many people that have helped us on our journey. Vishali. Mm-hmm. Amory Bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, you're getting me started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Julia Simic. Yes, like, yeah, there's, there's, yeah. Um, Omid as well. Omid. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's so many people. Liam Twomey. Mm. There's so many people. We can be yeah. here all day, but yeah. so many people that have contributed to the platform and making mm-hmm. it is what it is today. Even Leon Mann, yeah. Rodney Hines, yeah, people like yeah, that. Yeah. So again, we're just getting started and the content that we're going to be delivering. <laughs> uh, watch this uh, space. Watch huh? this space. Anyway, I want to talk. Something big coming for our anniversary so stay tuned alright I think we leave it there <laughs> yeah, <really>. yeah. <laughs> leave it on a, on a cliffhanger mm-hmm. until the next episode guys over and out mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.